Greetings, friends. It's time for Bible College by Radio, brought to you from the campus of African Bible College. How great is our God? How great is His word? He's the greatest one that ever was heard. He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. And now for today's lesson, here is Mrs. Nell Chinchin. Welcome to Bible College by Radio. Gonwo, do you remember the title of our last lesson in Hebrews chapter 5? Yes, I do, Mrs. Chinchin. And I really was, I wasn't sure what you meant uh, when I first saw it. Time to eat meat. <laughs> I didn't think it was time to go hunting meat or time to sit down and eat. But as we went on in our lesson, I realized that you were talking about eating or studying the deeper truths in God's Word and understanding them. All right. Well, we talked a lot about the importance of getting some exercise. You know, we talked about diet and exercise, and these are big issues today, both of these things. In every magazine you pick up almost, you can see they have a new diet or they have a new way to exercise. And these terms are used a lot in the Scriptures in reference to the way we live our Christian life. And there were some warnings also given in this chapter, and one of them was a lack of progress, a lack of growth in the Christian life. One of the reasons uh, that a person doesn't grow, we've discovered, Ganwo, was what? Well, we found out that if a person doesn't grow in his Christian life, it is because he doesn't exercise his spiritual gifts. All right, that's true, and we need to use it or lose it, as we used that expression before. As we grow in Christ, then we do need to exercise to use those gifts that God has given to us. Now, we also talked a little bit about the high priest, uh, w- where we found all the way through this book of Hebrews a lot of discussion on this man, Melchizedek. Uh, what did we say his name meant, Gawal? The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And what were the two qualifications of the high priest? First of all, he had to be a human being, and he had to be appointed by God. All right, we also saw that it's important that the high priest, uh, that we see that he is appointed by God in order that he be able to have fellowship with man. Because as we move along in this book of Hebrews, we're going to see how Christ more than meets the standards that were required of the high priest, uh, and that today he is able to be 
our high priest because he does meet all the qualifications. And we'll be talking more about that as we move into our lesson today as well. Well, God, well, I believe you have some letters there that you would like to share with us before we move on in our lesson today in chapter 6. This one is from Monrovia. All right. Dear brethren, I have rediscovered Christ in a true and meaningful way that I am seeking sources of keeping him lifted up. I want to thank you very much for bringing joy into my heart every time I listen to the African Bible College by radio. Now I have found something that's worth looking for. I also desire becoming a regular student of these courses. Moreover, I will be very pleased if you will mail concrete information regarding admittance to that college. Uh, may God bless you as you continue to brighten the minds of our citizens. Yours respectfully. Okay. All right, thank you, Ganwo, for that fine letter. And now I believe you have another one there that you can share with us from Monrovia also. Dear Reverend and Mrs. Chinchin, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. I am very thankful to God for your great correspondent courses. They are really giving me great light into Paul's missionary work and his great letters. Please help me in prayer. I want to go into the ministry by God's help. I will be very happy if you correct my papers and insert the right answers for me. I trust you will do that for me. Truly yours in Christ. All right, now there is a very serious student. He not only wants to take the lessons and to do the courses, but he wants to make sure that uh, when his papers come back, if the answers are not correct, that they uh, correct us there in the Bible College by Radio Correspondence Office will help him to find the right answers so he can learn. He will soon uh, be eating meat, I can guarantee you, won't you, Gumbo? <laughs> Nathaniel has a letter for us from Joss Plateau State in Nigeria. It reads, Dear Reverend Chinchin, may I thank you for the lesson booklets you sent to me. As for me, I am growing in the Lord day after day. My main aim of writing you is to tell you that I have been able to answer the lesson booklets you sent me. I hope to send them in the near future. It should also interest you to know that I hear your Bible program and it has helped to enrich my life. I thank you and the other brethren for your Bible program. I even read some parts of the Bible now on my own that I may not have had chance to read with your help in the radio class. I pray that you will send me additional Christian booklets, devotional reading literature, and other Christian writings you may have. May God bless you all as I wait eagerly for your reply. Thank you in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, Nathaniel. And that certainly is one wonderful thing about listening to the radio over Bible College by Radio, of getting the lessons and hearing God's Word taught. It makes you more familiar with His Word, makes you more eager to read it and study it on your own. Well, thank you for that letter, Nathaniel. Let's bow in prayer before we look into chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you today and that we can study your word, that we can have this anchor of hope in Jesus Christ. We thank you that as your word teaches us that we can become strong and that we can become useful to you and that you can use us as we commit ourselves to you. Now open up our understanding to your word today through your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now open your Bibles to Hebrew chapter 6, and uh, this is lesson 6 for those of you who are taking the correspondence courses. 
Now, as we saw in our last lesson, there are two kinds of people in the church. There are those who are babies and those who have grown up to be helpers and teachers, full-grown Christians who are able to eat meat. Those who are still babes now need someone to help take care of them all the time to help them because they can only drink milk and they have no real understanding of the deeper truth of God's word. Now, you know, here we can use this expression, leave me, man, or leave the thing, a lot. What do we mean, Gamma, when we say leave me? Well, we usually mean let me alone. Don't bother me or go away. All right. Now, our scripture here is saying just that. Leave all these so-so principles that you just keep talking about, all that theological jargon, and get down to the business of living it. He's urging these people to graduate from milk to meat. He wants these people to come to spiritual maturity. Now, let's look at those first few verses, and we'll see just what he's saying. He says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Of this we will do if God permits. Now, this word perfection here does not mean sinless perfection. First John says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We read this in 1 John 1 eight. No, he's not talking about sinless perfection, but a maturity that in this book of Hebrews is called the rest of God, a moment-by-moment -moment exercise of faith. But in order to reach this place, they must leave behind the simple basics, the ABC, so to speak, the familiar things not keep going over and over again the basic doctrines of Christianity. That would be like a man building a house. And after he has the foundation all laid, to go back and tear it down and lay the foundation again. Instead of building on that foundation, he just keeps laying the same thing over and over. All right, that's a good illustration, Gamo. A Major Ian Thomas once said, some Christians do not usually come to church to learn anything. They just want to hear the same old thing so they can say, Amen, brother. And that is what we mean by elementary doctrines. And they're listed here for us. First of all, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. That's an important truth. Now, but that's just the beginning. And then secondly, baptism and laying on of hands. To fight and argue over the mode of baptism or the procedure of ordination is immature. Dr. Pearson, a well-known preacher once said, when he was in a church that was arguing over the correct way to baptize, he would say, quit your baby talk. <laughs> and then thirdly, uh, these last two, resurrection and eternal judgment. Important. But let's not just keep talking about the same things over and over again. It's time to leave these things and move on. Then he brings out something that has caused plenty palaver among theologians. Let's look at verse 4 now in chapter 6 of Hebrews. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs fit for them by whom it is tilled receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near upon cursing whose end is to be burned. 
Now, our first question is, how can a person experience all this and not be a Christian? And if he is truly a born-again believer, how can he fall away? But we see three important words here. Gawa, what are they? If God permits. All right. Uh, let's turn back now to that parable in Matthew of the sower and the seed. And we read that in Matthew chapter 13. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow a little bit in, in your Bibles because this is a very important parable. Uh, beginning with uh, verse 18 in, in chapter 13. Here, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives the seed in stony places, the same is he that hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. Yet has he no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he's offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and, and the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed in the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it and also brings forth fruit a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Now, Mr. Tinchy, I am thinking of First John 2, 19 also. All right, would you read that for us, uh, Gonwall? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us. All right. So what we see here is that these truths were not actually received into their heart. They, there may have been a head knowledge. They may have learned a lot about God but never really surrendered their lives to him. Now, this section of Scripture is saying that once they know all these things and then reject Christ, there's no way they can come back. Hmm. I, I see here, Mrs. Chinchin, that it says those who have once been enlightened, that means they realize that they need a Savior. You know, Ganwo, I heard a very interesting story the other day about a man who had just attended a funeral service where the gospel was preached and then asked what this man said to the preacher. He said, Preacher, I want to tell you the strangest thing. When I first started going to church, I really felt strongly that I wanted to come forward and accept Christ. And every week when you preached, I struggled. But I never came. I never went forward. And now it is strange. But I feel no desire to even go to church anymore. Now you see that? That man had so hardened his heart against the gospel that he could ignore it completely and it didn't even trouble him at all. But Mrs. Tintin, there are a lot of people who believe it is possible for a Christian to backslide and then lose his salvation. Uh, many of them will use this section of scripture to prove it, uh, it can happen. Well, Gawo, I think we need to determine if this passage is talking about people who have ever really been born again or not. I don't think so. The writer of Hebrews does not say we are us, but those who were once enlightened. I do not think he is referring to believers here, but to those who had heard the truth, maybe even understood the truth, but rejected the truth. But he does use that word taste. They had tasted the good things of God. 
true, Gunwo, but tasting is certainly not eating. Remember, Nehemiah was called the, the king's cup bearer, and that meant that he always tasted the wine before he gave it to the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. But he didn't need to drink enough of it for it to get into his body and kill him. Lots of people will taste the word of God, but they will not allow it to become a part of them. And that reminds me of John chapter 6, verses 50 to 56. And it reads, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. I can see that, Mrs. Chinchin. But why is it impossible to renew them to repentance? Gamal, because once they turned against Christ, they actually denied him. After they know the way and then refuse it, they're actually crucifying Christ. But the main thing we need to remember here is that those who are truly born-again believers cannot fall away. We call this the perseverance of the saints. The true believer will never turn away from Christ. He will persevere in the faith. And so now we will turn and we will talk to the Christian. If we look at verse 9, uh, back here now in Hebrews chapter 6, at verse 9 we read, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've shown toward his name, in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, God is aware of all that we do for him, but you know we need to be watchful. Satan can come in and spoil our work if we let down our guard. We need day by day to keep in touch with Jesus. We have an example now of one who persevered, who was patient, and he inherited the promises. Who, who is that, Gonwell? That was Abraham. God promised to bless Abraham. And that blessing was what, Gonwell? God promised to multiply Abraham. Now, God said to Abraham, if you look at verse 13, it's very clear. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And that is the highest blessing which God can bestow, isn't it? The power to multiply ourselves. This was God's first command to the human race. Be fruitful and multiply, we read. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And also to Noah, we read. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Now God is glorified as we multiply because he and he alone is the dispenser of life. Have you ever thought about that? It is his highest blessing 
when he communicates this power of increase to those whom he chooses for his service. Now, Mrs. Tinchin, are you talking about the power to reproduce spiritually as well as physically? Yes, I am, Gonwell. I think we should would have to extend that blessing of being able to multiply ourselves to our spiritual offspring as well as our physical offspring. But it's not easy to claim this promise. It was not easy for Abraham to believe that his seed would be as numerous as the sand of the seashore. It was not easy for Abraham even to leave his own people, his own country, but he believed God. And God was able to bless him and to make him a blessing. And he wants to do the same for us today. Now these next verses show us that God has made a very strong oath. And we know that God cannot lie. But here he is saying something very strong. God will read those uh, next two verses for us. Verse 16 through 18. For men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us now God wants us to believe him the main thing God is looking for is faith faith is nothing more than depending on God to do for us what we cannot do. He desires more than anything else to prove to us that he is able to do what we cannot do. But sometimes we hinder his working by trying to do it ourselves. Faith teaches us humility and dependence on God. Teaches us to wait on him. Now what are these two unchangeable things we read about here? Well, look at those verses, Gonwell, and tell me what you think. Well, the promise of God and the oath of God. Is that right? Yes. These were given for our consolation, our refuge, so to speak. That reminds me of those cities of refuge that we read about in the Old Testament. They shelter people from death just like Christ shelters and protects us. All right, that's a good comparison, Ganmo. Now let's look at that for a minute. How were those two cities arranged? Well, they were arranged so that one uh, would always be nearby when a person needed them just like Jesus is always there when we need him. They provided protection for the person who had broken the law until he could have a fair trial. And that's what Christ does for us. He went to court for us and has been acquitted. And so, just like in those cities of refuge, we are protected from the wrath of God. Now God has made certain promises to us, hasn't he? And we are to believe them, just as did Abraham. I wonder why Abraham believed God. It was 25 years from the time God made the promise until Isaac was born. And Sarah and Abraham were getting older. Abraham almost lost his faith, it seems, when he had that child by Hagar. Well, God, we'll look back at Romans uh, chapter 4 and verse 19 through 21, and we see that Abraham's faith rested on the character of God. He knew that God was able. He knew God would not lie. Uh, read that for us, please. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. All right, we, you know, a man's word is no better than his character. Even if you get a man to sign a contract or an agreement, that agreement is worthless 
if the man who signed it does not intend to fulfill it. Abraham believed God told the truth, and this is really the secret of faith. It rests on the character of Jesus Christ. Now, look at these last two verses. In verse 19 of chapter 6, we read, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil, where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, a ship, when it comes into shore, will throw out an anchor to hold it steady. Hope is the anchor that keeps us from drifting from our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus is our leader. He went in front. All we have to do now is to follow him, follow in his path of obedience, and we too shall inherit all those wonderful promises that God has made to those who believe in him. Oh, my friend, if you have lost your anchor, if you feel your faith is weak or wavering, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He will not fail you. Well, thank you, friends, for listening again to Bible College by Radio. May God bless you and keep you in all your ways.